If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Sending out good vibes. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We're going to be chatting with our old buddy, Justin Gee for the Jindo. He came on, I forget the episode number, I should have checked that out ahead of time, but I will find out before this intro is over, and I will let you know, and it will be in the show notes, of course, because Graham is a pro. Oh, I haven't got it in the show, I haven't got it in there yet. You know, well, we got uh, everybody's favorite podcaster here, uh, Dirty Graham Dunlop, and his Unvaxxed Lives Matter what, t-shirt. What do you mean, Dirty? Don't start talking about jabs and stuff. You get us kicked off of something. Oh, shit. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, I'm not uh, going to self-censor. I didn't mean to say that, though. What, I'm just dirty saying. how? Like, I'm dirty not, how? Because I'm, I'm not, wearing this shirt? I'm or not because expressing. I'm, I, I showered, I shaved, I got my hair cut. I mean, this is the cleanest I've looked <laughs> in probably months since Egypt. You do look pretty good. It was just a little different. And then he calls me dirty. Yeah, dirty, dirty Dunlop. 368 is the episode with Justin Giefer. Well, I was going to guess 357. One. Yeah. But I think 357 with Joshua Kutchin. Yeah. So this is where we do the rambling intro before the episode. Ba-dee, 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 ba-dee. So, what's new? Did you fix your I, car? I, it's in the shop. It's going to get fixed, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare, but yeah. Alexis rides again. Yeah. So, and I got, go uh, I got a half a million kilometers. I'm excited about a. I got a stand up desk. Oh yeah, I seen the I'm pictures. Excited about. I'm excited yeah. about sitting down. And um, I got a green screen set up working. I got. I'm just. I'm. Uh, yeah, it's it's going good. Getting all settled in. I get it. I could get into a stand up desk, but it doesn't have any drawers. I yeah, that's sorts, a good point. Yeah, all sorts of great shit in my drawers. I got handguns in here, bone pipes. You're not allowed to have a handgun out out of the safe you in a Canada. Cop? Are you? I'm a dirty cop. I got a knife. <laughs> so let's start with uh, let's start with the segment, uh, Darren's uh, appeal segment. Are you? Is there any updates on your appeals? Which one? Or did you did you remember that? Well, we the had, Twitter that, one that was, had... was was permanently denied. What? Yeah. It was permanently denied. So you went from permanently suspended, they gave you another chance at it, and now you're permanently denied. Well, I shouldn't say permanently denied. I didn't say that. It just said uh denied and they took away that little button that I used to press to file an appeal. So Wow, what see. was the reasoning at all? Uh, they just said that we looked at your shit and you're a menace. No, they didn't say that. In not in so many words. But was that? But did they just I'm say? Like, we, 
I'm paraphrasing. Basically. They said we reviewed your account, then your disaster. I'll find the email. I'll find the email. Okay, yeah, this, yeah, you should find it. And then in the meantime, I'll just talk about how bad some of this okay. stuff is. So, okay. so we, I mean, part of one of Darren's recent appeals too was to YouTube, and I don't think we've talked about the latest response, which I can sort of paraphrase. Darren went back with our K Yang clip that um, I was talking about some stuff. And it's been deleted from YouTube, and that's where we got our second strike. So we're sort of on thin ice right now. And they're so we asked for a timestamp because it was sort of medical misinfo. And they won't give us a timestamp. Basically, they just say they won't say anything new. They won't say what it right, is. Right, they yeah. won't you really read say. That? Did you read the response? Yeah. Well, um, it was, am I correct in what I'm saying or? They can't, yeah, they're like, yeah, no, yeah. we can't do that. It. I'll find it next. It's just, okay. it's, this is so unbelievable. Hello. Your account was permanently suspended due to violations of our terms of service. After reviewing for reinstatement, your account will not be restored. Thanks, Twitter. And now I, I don't have the option to appeal again. So, so yeah, so now you, that's why you're saying it's permanently disabled. Now let's go to the YouTube. Okay. YouTube. Oh, wait, no, it wasn't YouTube. What am I thinking? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It was no, YouTube. it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. This was the, so, so this is the third or fourth appeal now. We've been going back and forth. Because, and the reason is because we're, you know, we still want to kind of keep it going as long as we can. I mean, obviously. And uh, the other part is it's on like one more strike and we're out and they can just kind of do that whenever they please really. So in some ways it's a, it's a lost cause, but there's a, there's a chance. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay. There's like 10 emails here. Then the last one, they asked me to rate my interaction. <laughs> I gave it one. Okay. Hi, Darren. Thanks for your speedy response. We appreciate your initiative and interest. And in, okay, wait. So, <laughs> so here's some context. My email to them was, "Hey, y'all have given us like seven strikes now, and you can't tell us what any of them are for. That's super frustrating. Perhaps if you could just tell us what was wrong instead of this crap, we could have stopped at one or two." Now I don't know what I can and can't talk about moving forward, and we risk channel deletion with every upload. Um, oh no, this is the wrong one. So no, this is this that was already what I had said to him after. That was the appeal before. That, right? This is after. So is that said, when you asked for that? Was this you was asking after, for a this time? This was after. Stamp? This was a, that was after. Okay, so here it is. It's like, okay, can I get a timestamp of the infraction so as not to make the same mistake in the future? Hi there. We appreciate your initiative in knowing which part in knowing which part of the content has violated the policy we had. I mean. We appreciate your initiative in knowing which part of the content has violated the policy we had. Is that it's even a like word a salad. It's just a word salad. It's just it's have, typical. I have coordinated with our internal team about the timestamps, though it went unsuccessful. 
<laughs> I found that we do not share the specific timestamps externally. We are unable to share timestamps or specific violations here, as doing so would insinuate our team's approval of the remaining content. Ultimately, as a participant of the YouTube Partner Program, it is expected for us to create videos and contents that complies with all of our policies and guidelines. I said, Atlas Shrugs. I said, hey, thanks for keeping in touch. This is Edmund stepping in. I understand that this might not be the outcome that you were expecting, but please know that we've exhausted all of our resources to help you with this issue. Did you, did you reply Atlas Shrugs to him? Yeah. That was it? You just said Atlas Shrugs and then yeah. they passed you on to somebody yeah. else? But please know that we have exhausted all of our resources to help you with this issue. Since our internal team, who specialized with this concern, confirmed that it's against our policy and guidelines, we, sh we would stand with their decision. I want to assure you that I'm on your side and provide you with the... I want to assure you that I'm on your side and provide you with the best possible assistance. Please know that your Google YouTube support does not end here. Should you need our help, don't hesitate to reach out to us. All the best. I'm on. And then you replied with the seven strikes and you never tell us what yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and then there's like, a reply after that. We appreciate your initiative. Hey, da hey, Darren. Thanks for the speedy response. We appreciate your initiative and interest in identifying which part of our community guidelines and section of your content has made the said violation. Is that the same sentence as the other one? No, I don't think so. Though please know that as a creator, it's actually part of your responsibility to know all by yourself. As a participant of YouTube's partner program, it is expected for us to create videos and content that complies with all of our guidelines and policies. Unfortunately, I do not have any more information at this point. I have already shared all the details in my previous email. I strongly suggest you read through are they all, all the articles we've shared in our previous emails. COVID-19 medical misinformation policy, creator responsibility, and the community strike basics. Should you have any other questions, please don't hesitate to contact me. We are here to help. Regards, Armour. So that's the strike update. Yeah. Just swing and a mess. Really. Yeah. Swing and a mess. So we're kicked off Twitter. Just a bunch of gobbledygook, really. Permanently. I mean, so what about your um your TikTok appeals? Where are those at? What's the status of I those? I want all of those except the socialism. <laughs> Have you seen the socialism meme where it's like, uh, I guess we're calling reels memes now. Memes can move. They're all memes at the end of the day. But where it's like uh, there's a kid on the, the side of the pool. The 15-minute city one? No, okay, sorry. Go there's ahead. a kid on the edge of the pool, and the ball in the pool says free stuff. And the kid has a little <laughs> caption that says you. And then it's, uh, the, the swimming coach or instructor says socialism on him. And the kid goes to grab the ball that says free stuff, and the fucking coach just pushes a kid in the pool. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Of all the memes I posted, they took a bunch of them down for firearms and this and that. Um, but I won all the appeals, four to five, except for that one. They said they're not putting that back up because it promotes uh, cruelty to children. 
So. Oh my god, eh? That's crazy. Wow. The shitty thing is, is that that gun mashup was going viral, and uh, they stepped in, they shut it down. It took a week to get it back up, and now it's just like you know, just like a regular post. It's lost all that momentum. It doesn't like pick up where it left off in the momentum train. I wonder how many drag queen story time uh, little shows that are with kids on there on TikTok, and that's okay, but you can't push kid into the pool, right? I mean, what the fuck? America's <laughs> funniest home videos would be ruined. Right? Fucking retarded. Atlas Shrugs. Well, thanks for the update. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to go over the border here this weekend, too, so I'll have another update for you next week on that. Right on. Yeah, that's good. Go see some. Well, friends, friends of mine went across, and they didn't ask anything again, so they're not really asking. Especially right on the now. driving. They must be winding it down. Didn't they say it might end in April? Uh, yeah. Or May or something. I'm gonna drive. I think it's supposed to be April. See some Egyptians. Not some Egyptians, but some people that came to Egypt with us. Of course, our buddy Mike lives down there, and and Uncle Chucky's flying out from the south. Nice. Yeah, he's bringing me a new gun, which works out, and I'm going to see the other gun that I bought at the Montana Gun Show. I'm going to go shoot that off a bit. Nice. My AR-15, yeah. I was trying to see if there's any loopholes I could use to get it back into Canada, but I've exhausted all of uh, my options, and I don't see any. Seems like they just banned every AR-15 platform Mm. pretty effectively. Yeah. Anyways, what do you got? What do you got coming at us? Well, I mean, I got a couple synchronicities to talk to you about. One of them is personally wow. mine. I don't know if you're going to think it's anything or not, but, you know, I got another one from the internet. We, uh, it's been a while since we've had a synchronicity. I'm excited. I'm excited I get a synchronicity for my birthday. <laughs> Your birthday? I'm a rambling yeah, for a couple days. Synchronicities oh. all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. Oh, I love that jingle. But what when's your birthday? March 10th, is it? Yeah, Friday. Yeah. March 10th, okay. 42, well, here's 42. one. Forty-two. Here's one, and 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 this this is just one of those ones that uh, forty-two. I eh? get the 42. best uh, the best birthday ever. Is it the most important birthday ever? Is that in your experience? Well, no, it's the forty-two. Right, the number, the most the important answer number. The universe. Yeah, most the answer important. of the universe. And everything. So, I'm I'm I. Somebody sent me this book to to read on audio, maybe right to narrate. And it's an old sort of esoteric book. It's fascinating. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to say which one it is yet, but I was researching it and stuff and trying to figure out and, uh, you know, if, if, if I can do it, if I should do it, all that. And, uh, cause we do have a adult brain YouTube channel too, right now and adultbrain.ca website with all our audiobooks. But anyways, um, I was also reading Manly P Hall's, um, newsletter from this magazine from the early 1900s. And I was flipping through that sort of randomly. I've, I was looking at the ones, the articles I had to still read, and I was kind of flipping through it. And I recognized this name on there. 
And I go, that name looks familiar. It's the artist who is working on Manly P. Hall's masterpiece, The Secrets, um, All Ages. What, what, why am I gapping on the, on the name now? The Secret Teachings of All Ages, right? Yes. Manly P. So, Hall. Yeah. So the artist that worked on that, and I go, I recognize that guy's name. And I look at the Wikipedia entry that I had open for the book that I was about to read, and it's the same artist, the same dude, John, or I don't know if it's John, I can't remember, Augustus Knapp is the artist who did this art for this massive tome that I'm probably about to read, and also Manly P. Hall's Secret Teachings. Secret teachings of all ages. Isn't that crazy? It was just ran- I was just randomly browsing through on both things at once. Wait, and I come across is that the same, the same book that had the other synchro? Yeah. No. The uh, what was it? An art synchro or something? I can't think of it. No, no, that was, I don't think it was. No, or was it? I don't think so. So I mean, it doesn't sound like much, but when it happened to me, it was pretty astounding. No, you don't. Because I was just looking well, at that guy's name, and then I went over to a whole other, like you know, it's a hundred-page book. I was flipping through a hundred, no, a thousand pages, flipping through a thousand pages for the article that I hadn't read yet in there, with the artist's name that I recognized. It's the same artist in the book that I was just researching whether I should read or not. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just okay. Just okay. Compare Let it me to tell this you one. something. Okay, you ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? It's about to blow your mind. Remember that LeBron record? Watch this. LeBron was 38 years old when he broke Kareem's record of 38,387 points by getting to the 38,388 point mark, in which 38 happens to appear twice in that number. And he did so by scoring 38 points. And it was on the 38th day of the calendar year, 2723. His career average for points per game, 27.23. The NBA was founded in 1946. Kareem broke Wilt Chamberlain's record in the NBA's 38th season. And from that moment, once Kareem did that, guess what? LeBron was born 38 weeks later. That's Uh right. Not only was LeBron born the same year Kareem became the all-time scoring leader, he was literally born 38 weeks after Kareem broke the record. I want you to take a wild guess how much time passed between Kareem's record-breaking night and LeBron's record-breaking night. The answer is exactly 38 years and 308 days. People are saying that they saw LeBron check out of the game for the final time with 38 seconds remaining. The Lakers played the Milwaukee Bucks in their very next game following LeBron's historic night. And get this, the Bucks would go on to get their 38th win of the season with Giannis dropping 38 points. Just let that sink in. The team that drafted Kareem got their 38th win of this season against none other than the Lakers. And again, it took their star player scoring 38 points to do it. It's about to blow your mind. Remember? 3.8. Crazy, eh? Yeah, no, I don't like that one. I like the other what? one better. I'll give the other one a seven. Now, which other one? Mine? Yeah. Oh, I okay. made the highest I ever got. Can you make your thing read the chat GPT description of America I sent you the other day? Uh, make what thing read it? Your, uh, my terminal. labs? Your hand my terminal. labs? My hand terminal? What? Yeah, your phone. No, I can't. No. I thought that thing was supposed to talk to you. I thought that was the thing about it. My phone? No, chat GPT. I don't know where that where that is though. Where is that? Is it I, don't know, the, I just type it into Google? 
No, but did you? Okay. But where is the actual wordage of verbiage of that? Is that in, did you text it to me? Did you email it to me? Oh, well, you don't email me. I think I just copy pasted. Oh, okay. Good text. Yeah. yeah. It said that the show was named by a combination of our names. <laughs> no, it didn't say that. Yeah. Yeah. It said that a hundred percent. Combination of the host names. I wonder where it picks this shit up. Is it just filling in the fucking blanks? Just making shit up? No, no, no. I mean, that's just coming from uh, from probably when we had a blog there or something. Or what? But how just, long ago? How long ago did you send it to me? I don't know. Just type search chat chat GPT and it should come up. In my in my phone? Yeah. As a text? Yeah, yeah. Search chat yeah, GPT I'll just in find my phone. It there, boomer. Dude, I'm I'm already gonna be there. I'm already like all the way back. I'll just search chat GPT here. Uh oh, never mind. It's not working. <laughs> oh, here it is. I got it. Okay. Damn it. Oh, it's repeating my Grimerica is a term used to refer to a podcast called the Grimerica Show. The show is hosted by Darren Grimes and Graham Dunlop and covers a wide range of topics, including alternative history, conspiracies, paranormal phenomena, and spirituality. The name Grimerica is a combination of the host names and their interest in exploring mysterious and fringe topics. The Grimerica show has been running since 2013 and has released over 600 episodes, featuring interviews with researchers, authors, and experts in various fields. The show has gained a following among people among people who are interested in exploring alternative perspectives and ideas that are not commonly covered in mainstream media. Nice. It's not, it was, I mean, that's not bad. It's not bad. I know. That's why I mean, like, remember I did that whole segment with Chad GPT on like talking about the show and all that. And it's pretty good. But the problem is once it gets into anything cultural, like political, it's all, it's super woke, right? It's pretty scary actually about how you can just start, you know, pushing AI stuff with whatever you want to siphon from the internet, you know? Did I mention that uh, I got the audio for the, I don't mention it to you, but I don't know if I mentioned on the show that I did finally get the audio for the contact of the cabin black budget or not black budget. The outlawed plus member. Uh, the thing for the members only that are recorded with Greg and Joe at contact of the cabin. Right. The podcast panel. So that the audio is not great, but that's going to go up on our other podcast here in a couple of weeks. America outlawed. If you guys want to check that out, America outlawed. Here, just type. America outlawed into your podcast player right now, and it should pop up with a little black moai. That's the other thing that happened that was a bit of a synchro. We're talking to Mel K was our latest release on Grimerica Outlawed, and we we're talking about the nudge unit, you know, with that essay that we wrote, <clears throat> that we read from uh, Cass, Sunstein. Cass Sunstein about conspiracies and how the government should handle it in 2008 to the beginning of Obama's year. I think it was a Harvard paper, or he was working for Harvard at the time, maybe. Um, and then geez, I, I was, I, so we talked about reading that. We're going to put that essay in our, uh, plus feed as well. It's really interesting. It's about an hour long. It's a pretty interesting essay on how, you know, they should handle it. I mean, Cass Sunstein has moved on to bigger and better things since then and pushing this nudge unit in this nudge book. Um, when did we talk about this nudge thing recently? 
Well, wasn't it just with uh, Mel? Yeah, maybe. I thought it was you and I talking about it somewhere else, too. Maybe I was just texting you about it. But anyways, um, then, of course, the No Agenda guys bring up the nudge thing, and it came up. To, there was a huge, big nudge discussion on their show last time. So I don't know why the nudge is all of a sudden, all of a sudden in the collective. Is it nudging like uh, 12 FBI people being part of the 13-man plot to blow up that bridge or whatever the fuck? I forget uh, the specifics. No, I think it's more about behavioral change and stuff than than actual false flags and stuff like that. Well, it's working. My kids think I'm a homophobe. Oh, do they? Well, I mean, there's rumors flying around. Rumors <laughs> flying around the family or what? Possibly. The teacher, are you getting calls from the teacher yet? Or No, we're not there yet. Just came up. You're like, look, kids, an adult can do whatever the fuck they want. But when it comes to kids, is that homophobic? That is? Dad's homophobic. Wow. I bet they're having a good time with that. That's fine. Yeah, probably. Should say he's not homophobic, he's transphobic. Ha! (laughs) We are kicked off of YouTube. Bum, 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 bum. I'm none of those things. Adults can do whatever they want. I mean, I'm, if phobic means like kind of afraid of them, maybe I am. I mean, not afraid, afraid, like, but I'd probably just, like, if I seen a group of them coming at me, I'd probably just cross the road because it seems like less dramatic. <laughs> and I mean, I just rather avoid it. I just don't want to get it on me. Anyway, what else you got? Well, I mean, I wanted to talk about this. Did uh, you see my, you watch my Instagram stories? No, I don't watch your Instagram stories. This is a good one up there right now. <laughs> you like it. Well, do you want to t- t- tell the audience nope, about it or what? Nope, no. Nope. If people oh want to see God. that kind of shit, I'm not going to talk You're about it. You're not going to, next week we're going to be talking about your Instagram appeal segment. Anyway. They can follow me on Instagram, Darren underscore Grimes underscore, if they want to see it. But I don't want to talk about something on the show because they sh- they should have to seek that out. Okay, well, wanna... yeah, you, you got to put both underscores in. Your, his name's not going to pop up unless you type every single thing into it. On the ban- shadow ban list. Yeah. That's the only so place, what... my only social media now, that on Facebook. You can friend me on Facebook if you can find me. And I'll accept it. And, uh... And the TikTok, like Graham said, the TikTok. I got, we're almost up to 100 TikTok followers. But that's a Great American TikTok, isn't it? Great American TikTok. I post yeah. all my little videos I've been making on there and a lot of funny memes. Because I figured out how TikTok can like, like add the music yourself. I got a little bit of a, I find I have a bit of a comedic skill for adding oh in God. like the right song to the right face plant or something like this. Uh, myself doing a bit of that okay and uh that's it i mean it was just all the stuff that got me in trouble was vaccines or because i posted that vaccine one that i posted don't on, even on the main say Instagram. that out loud right now like why don't you just say jab or something or are they picking up that too we're picking up that too and i'm not professing an opinion i'm just saying that the video that i posted on your instagram of the vaccines there that that I won that appeal on TikTok. They took that uh, down right away. I appealed it. They put it back up. 
all the gun stuff, the video Brandon sent me him shooting my new AR. They'd taken all that down for firearms. And I just, I just appealed just to make them work. I didn't expect to win them, but they took it. They, uh, they put it all back up except for the kid in the pool. So if you're on TikTok, oh, give us some TikTok love. We only, we have like only 80 followers. So yeah, we could use some more. Right on. Well, what I want to talk about is a, an article I sent up. You know, we mentioned these tunnels quite a bit, either in Egypt or Turkey or Europe. Well, I saw this article that kind of talked about that conspiracy we talked about a while ago, but the ones going all the way from Scotland to Turkey. So this is from Collective Spark, and it kind of has to do with Jindo. I think we were talking about it with uh, with the Jindo on this episode, actually. And it's called the 12,000-year-old massive underground tunnels are real and stretch from Scotland to Turkey. Now, I haven't totally fact-checked this yet. I know Snopes did a fact-check on this kind of story in 2016. I just noticed the headline came up and said, oh, it's not proven that there's any tunnels. Although there's tunnels all over, it's not proven that they go to Scotland to Turkey. But now, seven years after that, um, maybe this will tell us more. Mysterious tunnels have been discovered in Scotland that stretch all the way to Turkey. However, researchers are still unsure of why or how they were created. What makes them all the more mysterious is how absolutely amazing they are and how meticulously they were created. These thousands of stone-aged underground tunnels have left scientists completely perplexed. Dr. Henrik Kush explained in his book entitled Secrets of the Underground Door to the Ancient World. I think he needs to come on the show to talk about this that the tunnels have been dug under literally hundreds of Neolithic settlements throughout Europe. The mere fact that they have survived for over 12,000 years proves that the original tunnels must have been all the more massive. He further believes that the tunnels were used as highways, which allowed people to travel to distant places across Europe. He explains that across Europe, there were thousands of these tunnels. From the north in Scotland down to the Mediterranean, they are interspersed with nooks at some places. It's larger and there's seating or storage chambers and rooms. They do not all link up, but taken together, it is a massive underground network. In Bavaria and Germany alone, they found 700 meters of these tunnels. In Syria, no, in Styria, in Austria, there's another 350 meters, he says. Across Europe, there were thousands of them from the north in Scotland down to the Mediterranean. Um. While many have described these tunnels as ancient highways, others have explained that they were a method for protecting men from predators. This is kind of my theory. Actually, I think they were protecting humans from giants. In his book, Dr. Henrik explains that churches were often built by the entrances to the tunnels because the church was afraid of the heathen legacy that the tunnels may have represented and wanted to stop their influence. Other similar tunnels have been discovered on other continents, even throughout the Americas. A number of ancient tunnels have been found. However, the big question is, why were these passages constructed? Furthermore, how? And while there are a number of legends regarding them, researchers have yet to discover any solid answers. So it doesn't really say like how they proved that they were going all the way from there to there. Not, I think, yeah. They're, were they I think dumb a lot tunnels? of them are small. I mean, what? Were they dumb tunnels? Dumb? No. Like deep so. underground. The modern ones are dumb, but these are ancient. Ancient dumb, maybe. I think it was still hiding out from the cataclysms. I mean, Earth was probably a pretty wild place up until recently. Yeah, but floods do. I mean, floods go down into the tunnel. I mean, you're just going to get trapped by water down there. Well, maybe it's not floods. floods. I mean, I'm just talking about 
even without the flood, just take the younger dryness out of it and just go before that. And you look at like when you talk to all these motherfuckers, the fucking temperatures are all over the place. So it's like you could, it, that it must have been crazy the storms and, you know, Meteors. some of the winters must have been like just going on forever and super hot maybe in the summer. And you just, you know. And what if there was like the verbal, verbal, mythologies passed down from family to family of like a meteor hitting the earth and destroying it, right? Like a true cataclysm, like Typhon, the dragon destroying the planet. And, you know, you would be like, look, this happens. We were destroyed. Like there was only a few survivors. So we need to build tunnels to escape this fire from the sky. Support the show. Grimerica.ca support slash support. Help us build some tunnels. We could use some tunnels just in case the shit goes down. Graham could build a tunnel to live in. Um, you know, we could buy a tunnel if we had some money. GrahamAmerica.ca slash support for you some value from our little podcast here. We're doing, I think this is episode like 591. We're closing in on 600. Uh, if you want to support that, GrahamAmerica.ca slash support. You decide what it's worth. A buck a month, two bucks a month, ten bucks a month. If we're adding some value to your life, to your commute workout to your day job wherever you're listening to the show head over to grimerica.ca slash support send some value back our way today we would appreciate it it's my birthday send me send us some birthday money uh you know we just it's more important than ever there's tons of competition people uh trying to tug at your dollars and if you if we're one of your favorite shows head over to grimerica.ca slash support today sign up or head over to grimericaoutlaw.ca and sign up over there but Whatever you're doing, vote with your dollars for the content you love, or uh, it might just disappear on you one day. That's all I got. What else you got? I got a quote, and I'll, I got some listener emails, but I'll save them for next week. I got a quote. A uh, quote. Let's see if you can guess this. It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? All right, you ready? I'm ready. Between the extremes of right and left hysteria, there remains a great underdeveloped region in the world of political thought and will that we may characterize as do-nothing democracy. Out of the sudden realization of its do-nothingness arise these psychological storms, which give gangster dictators their opportunities. It is only gradually that people have come to realize that current democratic institutions are a very poor, slow, and slack method of conducting human affairs, which need an exhaustive revision, and that when one has declared oneself anti-fascist, anti-communist, or both, one has still said precisely nothing about the government of the world. One is brought back to the unsolved problem of the competent receiver. It exercised Plato. It has been intermittently revived and neglected ever since. That's a doozy. Uh, what era? And it kind of stops off, actually. But that's the key, is what era? Sounds more modern than it could be, right? 
What decade? Uh, early 1900s. Ooh. Hey. I'm going to go. It could be, it could be recent though. Right. I mean, you could say, Hey, that's from like, you know, last week. Hmm. Let's go with Theodore Roosevelt. That is H.G. Wells from his book that is now on YouTube, on our Son YouTube channel. Bitch. World Brain. And it's about his, uh, it's a collection of essays, a new free synthetic authoritative permanent world encyclopedia. What would have he thought of the new wiki? It's interesting to know because he wanted, he says this world encyclopedia could help world citizens make the best of universal information resources and make the best contribution to world peace. And then came the guerrilla skeptics and Wikipedia. I really wonder what H.G. Wells would have thought of how bad the propaganda is nowadays and how many wars still happened after he was calling for peace. Hmm. I think he might have been uh, pretty happy with how things turned out. All right, guys, I don't think we got anything else in our lazy roundings for this week's up. Maybe a quick bio of our yeah, buddy, well, the this Jindo. Is from my, this is from Jindo's YouTube channel. Insights on news from the mysterious world of archaeology and anthropology. Videos for readers and enthusiasts of ancient history and its contents. Constant stream of discoveries. There you go. Links are in the show notes. There you have it, guys. Enjoy the chat with the Jindo. Recording in progress. All right, Justin Giefer, welcome back to Grimerica. How you doing? Doing great. Am I classified as a Grimerican now because it's yeah, my third dude. time here? Is it your third time? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, we were looking for you and you went MIA for a while. And because we were doing these videos on Rockfin for a while, and we we're like, we got to get Justin back to do like a, a presentation of the latest stuff he's doing. I mean, I, dude, I really like what you're doing because to me, it's like, it's the people like you that are taking scientific research and putting it out there and comparing it to the paradigm that the scientists aren't really doing right. Like you're looking, you're looking at these latest studies and you're like, look, they're showing this and that. And you know, the scientific world hasn't caught up yet to where the research is. Yeah. 100%. And I feel like I'm, I think just people won't, when I was teaching English a long time ago, it's like, do you want your students to do their homework, you know, and they won't do it. There's a resistance to it. It's just, it's the same thing. So I think what I'm trying to do is making it as palatable as possible and showing like the most 
memorable and important bits from everything that I'm reading, you know? So um, I think it, it's great, especially in the comments to get some, uh, just some chatter going about this subject matter, because if we have a whole generation of people that don't talk about this, I mean, it's going to be hard to make up that deficit in the following years after, you know, so it's got to be almost part of the culture in a sense, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they don't, and they don't really want a, a lot of it to be, they, it seems like selective on what they want to talk about. I mean, I know one of these guys, I don't know if you know his name, Sturla. He's a, I think he's Norwegian or he's a, he's a Viking. He talks about Viking DNA a lot. He was a, he's a scientist and he, they, they didn't want him to, I think he had problems getting his doctorate or they didn't want him to discuss his research. So he started getting canceled. He's like, what's going on? I'm just talking about like Viking DNA and where the science is leading me. So that's the other part is some of it, it seems very selective. It seems like they have to sort of, it has to go through this really uh, fine filter before it's allowed out. There's something very strange going on with that type of stuff where there's selective funding and certain narratives, some narratives that you would think are just innocuous on on their own, right? Such as what you're describing, this Viking DNA thing. This guy is just finding out information and sharing it. And for some reason or another, there's some interests out there that don't want that out there. For yeah. They want to prevent that for whatever reason. And that's just so, that sets us back so many decades, you know? Like, I think one thing that uh, if people who are just getting into uh, American archaeology specifically, if they understood the Gilded Age, which is about like the 1880s, 1890s, that was like the golden age of archaeology where they were discovering all these mounds in North America. They had detailed descriptions. Uh, Serpent Mound being one of the more prominent ones that has resurfaced again with Graham Hancock's work, uh, his most recent book, America Before, he talks about all, all of this stuff. And basically what he's covering is what like they he's picking up where they left off back almost 120 years ago now. And if people were aware of that, they could see how low quality it really is out there right now in terms of the speed at which new discoveries are being processed. And if you have a great idea, you got, you better have a thousand peer reviewed people agree with you before it can even be considered. You know what I mean? It's just so ridiculous that I think now with the rise of the internet, um, it's that's kind of being exposed for what it is in terms of yeah. like co how common people like uh, view academia now. Yeah. I was, I'm, I'm reading a book right now called prehistoric world. Um, or the vanished races and they have a chapter on. So this was written back in the, the time frame that you're talking about. And it's a very scientific work. I mean, they get all, they, they reference it all. They get all kinds of scientific opinions on it. And the chapter on the mound builders is like a hundred pages. It's huge. They go right into detail of all the mounds that are found all over America. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's not even that controversial, but like you said, it's the, it's the details that they talk about all this stuff in. And now it's just, what, what was the word you used? It's like, uh, it's like selective, like filtering or whatever. Yeah, there's, there's a, yeah, it's just a, there's a, a, a roughness or a something to the, to what they're doing nowadays. Um, what's your main, so what's the main interest in your research and in your channel? Is it like archeology, span uh, DNA research, migrations, all that kind of stuff? Like what, how would you summarize it? Um, the most, the broadest description of my, I guess, my overall goal of the channel beyond the educational side is really getting to the bottom of what this existence is, like specifically the, the, 
not just evolution, but the historical, the history, according to the fossil record and all of these other uh, dating techniques, the, the, the actual story of humanity. That is the broadest description. Now, you can zoom in on different parts of that timeline. And that's kind of where I come in is this I'm kind because of, I'm always re I've always read like when I was in college, I'd access the JSTOR and like all of these different um, uh, archives and I would read them anyway. So um, what I'm doing is kind of taking from the conveyor belt of what's coming out and showing it to people and saying, oh, here's something interesting, except I'm doing it under the umbrella of human history, essentially. And um, I'll go on these arcs. So I think last time I was here, we talked about Doggerland at length. We talked about the Conquistadors. We talked about um, the Cerruti Mastodon site in San Diego, I think, yeah. um, among other things. Oh, the Scythians and the horseback people. Um, and I think we talked a little bit about Indo-European uh, language families. So all of that stuff um, are kind of subjects that I cover that you'll see in my channel where I'll basically pick out the latest and greatest of each subject and kind of go over it. Not so much with a fine tooth comb, uh, but more with a, a general, uh, not just a summary, but also the key points to it in a more palatable way for people to sort of check in. Because if you get too dense with this material, I found after about four years of doing this, people kind of check out after if you get too dense. So is, is um, there, is there a, is there a, um, a dis discipline that does what you're doing? Like, is there a scientific discipline or are you combining like a whole bunch of different things? Oh, what I, I'm pretty sure what I'm doing is not new. Um, there's a lot of guys who do aggregate work like this where they report on uh, studies. Um, but what I'm more interested in is are independent researchers such as uh, Bruce Fenton is great. Uh, he his stuff is um, in terms of this subject matter is really the cutting edge, and he's been plagiarized as well. And so when you when you're plagiarized, you know you're in the you know when you get beat, when you're demonized and plagiarized, you know you're on the right track. Um, but as far as uh, what your original question was, um, no, I don't think uh, I don't think what I'm doing is new at all. So what's um what's like one of the one of the sort of recent things or some of the main things that have um of new knowledge that sort of changed the way we should look at things lately? Is there anything like that pops out? Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. no, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, the the number one thing that I think is uh should be addressed is the greater and more recent out of Africa theory. Um, people have heard the out of Africa theory. Like if you mention it, I'm pretty sure most people who who have some level of education that will ring a bell. But most people don't really understand the numbers involved and what the actual landscape is genetically, including the geography and and the what was accessible at the time and how gene flow works. Um, so I guess how I want to kick things off is to just give a basic basic gestalt of what the greater out of Africa theory is. Um, unless yeah, you guys have something to add. No, no. I think that's a good way to, to go about it. And that's kind of Bruce Fenton's work, right? Well, Bruce Fenton has, he, this isn't the only thing he does. He, he, uh, he, he has uh, that into Australia theory, the into America theory. he has this whole own perspective that he's developed through his own research and his own writings, how the human story played out. Um, 
but yeah, his work is definitely part of it, but there's a ton of other work too. Um, yeah. So I would, for people at home, I would suggest, uh, back in the eighties was when this stuff really started kicking off. So if you want to know the origins of the greater, uh, uh, out of Africa theory, um, uh, check out Wolpoff and Thorne's work of the eighties. Um, if you type that in, it'll come out. Uh, in 1983, Joss, Johnson et al. published a very famous paper that suggested both the out of Africa theory and the out of East Asia theory. He presented the both. And in that paper, he suggested that the East Asia theory was actually more plausible uh, based on just his own research. And that was 40 plus years ago that this came out. 40, 1983, 40 years ago. Um, since then, there's been more recent stuff. Like Alan Templeton's work is revealing um, a lot of stuff out of China too. Um, a Shi Huang's work, and of course uh, Bruce Hunton's work that I just mentioned. So uh, check those out um, if you guys are uh, want to know more about this specific instance. So is it is isn't Bruce's work into Africa? Yeah. Yeah, into Africa, out of us. He has a few of them, out of Australia and into America. Okay, so when you say out of Africa, you mean the opposite of that in a way, right? I'm talking about the out of Africa theory. The greater out of Africa theory I'm talking about is the mainstream establishment view. I'm I'm, I'm about to lay that out, and then we're going to... Because I I think a lot of people don't understand what that is, and then we're going to poke holes in it because it should be a view that should be tossed out anyway. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I meant, yeah. Yeah. So here's the mainstream root of the human story, essentially, the greater out of Africa theory. So six to seven million years ago, we have the first hominins uh, rise up. So these, the word hominin, when I say that, I mean modern humans, archaic humans, and australopithecines. So I'm not, that doesn't, that's not to be confused with hominid, which includes chimps and, and, and gorillas. So I'm talking about just actual people, essentially, six to seven million years ago. And then two million years ago, Homo erectus starts to leave Africa. Now, Homo erectus, you can think of as, well, they are compatible with us, no doubt about it. They probably would have seen us as regular humans, but they really had the technology to to spread out as far as they did. And if you can see the map here, this is is fairly conservative dates. But you can see this uh, uh, yellow line here. This is all Homo erectus. This is their purported migration route. And you can see it covers, for people listening who can't see this, it covers Africa, uh, Europe, Middle East, and East Asia. The, this is, and a little bit of uh, Southeast Asia, the Java, Javanese uh, uh, archipelago there. So Homo erectus, this, this is a big... Uh, this is a big date because a lot of people have speculated, including John Anthony West, um, the late John Anthony West, that there is probably, if, if not equal to a, a more, I guess, a, a civilization that had their shit together because of just how widespread they were. 700 or 2 million years later, we we're talking about them. Do you, you know what I'm saying? They, 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 they still exist on, on this earth if we, if we look, if we know where to look. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Homo erect, I can't over, overstate like how important it is to understand what Homo erectus is, what we think it is anyway. So, meanwhile, uh, so this group leaves, 
they they uh, evolve into Neanderthals and Denisovans, these Homo erectus. And then the group that stays in, Amer uh, in Africa becomes Homo sapiens. Okay, this happens around 700,000 years ago. So from 2 million to 700,000 years ago, Homo erectus is running everything essentially. And then 700,000 years ago, we have, quote, modern humans. Uh, are you guys with me so far? <laughs> I hope, yeah, I hope yeah. this makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So that's the greater out of Africa theory in a nutshell. Now, the more recent uh, out of Africa theory is the one that we'll, we'll be spending the rest of our time talking about, because this is the one where it gets really political and so, like, you know, pe everyone has an opinion and people get very passionate about the fact that everything had to have come out of Africa and which is from a scientific point of view is pretty irrational considering the evidence that we have for that view, which isn't substantial at all. So the recent out of Africa, uh, in a nutshell, is there's three waves that come out of Africa. One around three, 200, 300,000 years ago, and then which is unsuccessful. And then 120,000 years ago, which is also unsuccessful. And then the Lake Toba eruption happens. And then there is another migration right after that. And that one is the big one that is successful, that ends up becoming modern, basically who we are now. Right, right. According to that gen genetic bottleneck theory. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. That's and that was Toba when when did you say it was? Seventy Toba was about 70, seventy-two yeah, yeah. seventy-two thousand years ago around there. Something's happening with your mic. I don't know if it's scratching on something or um Oh no oh it might yeah, be uh know. it might no, it might be my hood. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no problem. All right. All right. All right uh was, was it your channel that I, I just saw something about a three million year old tool? Um that they found it's a 1.2 yeah it was my channel uh there was a 1.2 million uh year old tool that was used to mine obsidian in ethiopia was. right 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 yeah and and just what a mind blow that is obsidian wasn't thought to have we haven't been it's commonly thought that obsidian was very recent like like six thousand eight thousand years ago maybe ten thousand years you know so <laughs> this pushes it back over a million years obsidian manufacturing and it wasn't just one that they found. They found a, a like rich a node. Yeah. yeah, it was like a manufacturing plant, essentially. They found a ton of, they found like 200 of these obsidian arrowheads, which is very interesting because uh, they all look the same. You know what I mean? It wasn't, there was no variation. It wasn't like a bunch of guys just made them at home. <laughs> they, had a, they had a rhyme and reason to them. They had a distinct technique that they were using. And this is going back, uh, and this is sort of admitted that it's 1.2 million, right? Yeah. So that's pushing another timeline further back, isn't it? That's, that, yeah, that's pushing back, um, well, like what I just mentioned before, uh, Obsidian. But it's not, real, it's not pushing back uh, dates of like Homo erectus or anything because they think it belongs to Homo erectus, and that is within the, the timeline. But the Obsidian manufacturing is, that, <laughs> that's being, that itself is huge. Because if they're doing that, what else are they doing? Yeah, yeah, it's pushing back the our view of the technological um, aspect of it. Yes, I guess. yeah, yeah. It basically lends more credence that they're they're more than just shambling entities. You know, <laughs> they actually probably had some sort of you know, like they, they they had some sort of sophistication to them, some level of sophistication. Because obsidian is dangerous. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever held obsidian, but yeah. it's sharp and. And it, it 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 fractures easily. So um, 
you have to be very meticulous when you're when you're making it. So that's no joke. Um, anyway, um, so this recent out of Africa theory has spawned a bunch of different sub theories, right? So one of them I mentioned earlier, out of East Asia, one, there's out of India, um, there's out of Papua New Guinea, which is technically a part of Australia. Once upon a time, it was connected to Australia, but it's not really out of Australia. So, I mean, and then there's the actual out of Australia, you know, so it gets kind of, there's a bunch of different viewpoints, right? But what it boils down to, and this is uh, what I want to tell the audience directly is what is it feasible to you? Just this is just all you have to know if you're just a, a normal person who is new to this. Is it feasible to you that humans stayed in Africa for those millions of years? Or is it more plausible that people were always moving around kind of like water molecules in a vessel? And if, if there is space, they're going to occupy. If it's accessible, they're going to go there. Um, or is it plausible that they just all stayed in Africa for no real reason? Because there's no barriers for them staying in there, except certain cataclysmic events like uh, 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 Mount Toba. Yeah. So, the multi so, so one of these sub-theories is a multi-regional theory, which is uh, what, um, what we were talking about earlier, uh, some of... Um, Fenton's work and other people's work. And this takes place around the same time period, 50,000 to 120,000 years ago. Um, so this addresses a later modern human story rather than the initial archaic flow of humans like Homo erectus. Um, so if you look at the visual, you can see if you look at South America on the bottom right, you can you can already see that there's some uh, what do you call a uh, the, the numbers here are run contrary to North America, to the path, right? Because you don't see 30,000-year-old stuff in North America according to what we're looking at, right? Right, right? So why is this stuff down here older than the stuff up here when they, when they had to go through up here to get down here? Yeah, yeah. So, well, and, and, and could they go through there when it was covered with ice? I mean, for probably 40,000, 50,000 years, wasn't it covered? It was covered for a long time, yeah. So there's there's probably no way that they were going through the ice sheet before the corridor. So, but they found these people, there's these people that uh, live in uh, South America. And I'm not talking about Clovis, like the, the Amerindian people. I'm talking about people before them that 30,000 years is pretty conservative. Now they're this, I think this map is from like 2017. Um, now they've pushed it back about 40, 50,000 years ago that they found, traces of this group called the Lagoa Santo people. And these people have are one of two tribes that have the Melanesian DNA marker, which is from Papua New Guinea, Australia. So <laughs> what, why do they have that? And every, all the other Indians don't, you know? So that's just one example. There's actually a lot of overlap between South America and Australia. Uh, let me just show you this image here. Um, you guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, keep you going. guys, you guys have looked at um, the Milky Way galaxy. You guys have looked at like gone yeah. camping. Yeah. So, so this is the dark rift of the Milky Way. Now, the indigenous people in uh, South America and um, uh, uh, Australia and Sahel, which is a mega continent, um, they had the, uh, their origin story. When they look at the dark rift, they see an emu, like a flightless bird, like this. They have the same 
there's a cultural overlap in, in the people in South America as well. They have this same cultural uh, narrative where they, where they look at the dark rift of the Milky Way and they see this flightless bird. There are no other cultures that have that overlap except those two. And, and the overlap and the other common denominator is, well, these people share genetics as well. So, so that is, um, I don't think that's up to chance because if it, in order for that, for that culture to carry across, there must've been a steady stream of people going, not just men either like families had to have gone and like colonize the area and live there for a while uh you know if people were just passing through why would that why why would that aspect of their culture even be there you, you see what i'm saying but what i'm this insight that i'm saying you wouldn't really know to ask that unless you really looked into and looked between the lines of of a lot of these research papers because there's no one who's gonna gonna stick their reputation on what I just said about the cultural overlap. It's just a mere observation. Though. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. But I mean, that's a huge observation, right? That, I mean, well, I mean, what do you guys think? Well, here, here's another observation. Can I share my screen for a sec, quickly? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I wanna, go ahead. I wanna, and then you can go back to yours. Um, yeah. This I noticed this the other day, and and um, somebody had a different view in one of our chats. But you see. This uh, <clears throat> New Zealand and Australia there. Can you see? Can yeah. you see this, Darren? This. Look at this. Look at on this elevation map here. How this was all like, I mean, at some point it looks like this was all a platform and would have been all connected at some level. I mean, look at how, you know, you talk about the i uh, the water levels being so different back then. I mean, look at how this this almost New Zealand would have almost been this huge area that connected all the way through. Yeah, so at the last uh, glacial, and you're absolutely right. The last glacial maximum, you see where pa Papua New Guinea is. It was connected. That definitely was connected to Australia, and, I, and I'll I'll show you a map. I have a visual. That yeah, has there's, a, it. there's a new one that has it more pronounced. But I mean, look at that, yeah. and then look at how close. Like, look at all that stuff that's you know all the way over to South America. So I mean, maybe there was a string of these things you could just island hop all the way across. Oh, that's definitely no doubt about it. Even Hawaii, too. If you go to the corner of Hawaii, I mean, they, they all have, if you look at their language, even, and the type of stuff that they were eating, like sweet potato, like, look at that. It, it was, they had a triangle. Yeah. Yeah. They had, they definitely had a triangle of uh, uh, communication and, and I guess trade routes going between uh, the Polynesia, Hawaii, and Tahiti, and probably Rapa Nui as well, Easter Island. Yeah. I mean, even this whole Australia, this whole this whole thing. I mean, it might have been all connected more. I mean, easily, at least you could maybe visually see it to hop in a boat and go there. Oh, for sure, yeah. And I think if people were made aware of that, um, then it would be a lot easier for them to digest the information, really connect dots, and really get somewhere with their understanding instead of just waiting for some academic to tell them, you know? So are these new maps playing a role in this too? Like I know Randall Carlson uses a whole bunch of new terrain maps and like, you're able to see these effects of the flood, you know, that you've never been able to really see easily before you can just. Oh, they, they yeah, like drone footage and LIDAR footage and well, stuff like or that. Or just even these Google maps, like in the different, oh, yeah. the U S geological survey map, I think is really um, powerful as well to show you different sort of uh, views of the landscape. 
Yeah. And the cool thing about Randall is he, a lot of like those images, he gets it on his own too, you know? Yeah. So like he's, you know, he's next level for sure. But yeah, the, um, you, if you guys uh, want to see more of these uh, maps, you can go to, um, what's it called? Uh, Atlas of the human journey.com. A lot of their, a lot of their um, dates are conservative, but it's still good for, for the reasons uh, Graham was talking about, which is for just a general understanding and, and a good visual of uh, just where the genetics were at the time and, and the accessible places and what was inaccessible and, and the climate uh, data, which is the main uh, difference between now and 1980 when this started kicking off is we just have way more data. Like we, we're able to, uh, like we mapped the human genome. Um, we have uh, climate data now. You know, we have LIDAR, we have all these new, um, just within the past three years, we, we've discovered so many uh, uh, traces of older humans. I mean, there are, I think they found teeth in China that are about 130, 140,000 years old. I mean, that's, that itself throws a monkey wrench in recent out of Africa. But anyway, um, uh, let me just go back to this map here. Another um, site, if you look at South America, that they're missing is this site in Ecuador. It's this megalithic site. And it doesn't fit well with the surrounding known cultures. And lo and behold, they found that it does belong to a Lagoa Santo. Uh, they have a Lagoa Santo connection. And it, it makes sense because the Lagoa Santo are part of, uh, they're basically make their home in the Amazon, the densest part of the Amazon. And Ecuador has that, that Western part of the Amazon there. So that's exactly where, um, this megalithic site was. And it, it's the only site in South America that uses mortar, which is very interesting. So um, they, they think that this site is probably thir between 30 to 50,000 years old. And again, it, 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 along with Monte Verde and, and Pedro Ferrada and all these other sites, um, it, it just seems like there were people there well before than, than we're letting on. So, um, and that DNA signal of the Australasians in South America is just, I don't understand why that's not a bigger deal because that is, that is probably the smoking gun, right? Out of all the smoking guns, that just seems that's genetic data right there. Unless that's the one Graham, Graham wrote about in his book. Yeah. Graham addressed it in his book. Um, uh, several people have, have talked about it. Um, I forgot the name of the guy who uh, discovered it in the other, in the other, uh, um, the other village, the, the, the cedary people starts so with an S I think, but yeah. Um, anyway, but he, he did work as well. So, um, uh, anyway, so it's, it, a lot of people have thought, well, since they had watercraft, these people in Australia, in order to even get to Australia, it, it was there. It's a big deal to get to Australia because there's this, uh, there's this bar natural barrier called the Wallace line that uh, let me pull up the the yeah. slide here uh all right so so there there's these two lines right and you can see these are uh this is a java archipelago here these lines will drain you base they'll push you into the indian ocean so it made it impossible for many many years for any large megafauna to anything above 100 pounds essentially to go, go through these lines so there are people here a million years ago already. So 
<laughs> how do they cross this line? It, it's it, it's a conundrum. No, no one so, really so knows why, for sure. Why is it so hard? Because it's so. Um... It's the, the because the currents are so strong, and also no one really knows for sure why. They just know that it exists, and but I suspect that it has something to do with it being shallow water, and the Indian Ocean is really deep water. So I think it's just flowing because all this used to be, this all used to be land, uh, eighteen thousand years ago. So th these waters are not that deep. It's it's kind of like uh, the North Sea. The North Sea is not that deep. It's just really cold. So um, anyway, it's my going point off that it's going off that shelf into the uh, Indian Ocean. Right? Into the Indian Ocean, yeah. And then the, and then once they're out here, they're boned. You know, they, they can't get back. So um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit uh, more about that. But um, so do they have to go north then to Davo Davao and then along the top part? Uh, I don't think that they were able to go that far because they, they didn't have, they had, uh, watercraft, but I don't think they were able to cross a sea. I think they had to island hop with like literally bamboo and vines essentially, which Thor Heyerdahl made that trip. So he, uh, if you, you guys remember that trip in 1947, Thor Heyerdahl yeah. Yeah. on the rep. Yeah. So he proved that it could be done. So I think that's what these people were doing. But I, honestly, we don't really have to explain how because we know that they were there, you know. So yeah. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is the assumption could be, well, they probably island hopped their way to Easter Island and then made it to, to Tierra del Fuego, the bottom tip of South America somehow. Because otherwise, because they couldn't get through the Beringia because of the giant glacier. Yeah. So... So what the, the theories are limited. There is also um, there was a theory about like uh, like floating ice that they were kind of able to hop between like these large chunks of ice down south. I don't I haven't seen I haven't read too much about that. Like there's not too much out there on that, but they got there somehow and they did have uh, watercraft back then, which according to the mainstream was supposed to have only been invented like 4,000 years ago. <laughs> well, I mean, so. well, what about, what about through like the mid Atlantic where Atlantis was supposed to be? I mean, you know, that you couldn't, you Island, Island hop uh, through Atlantis in the mid Atlantic as well. Well, I think at the last glacial maximum, um, all that stuff was most of the British Isles and most of uh, Western Europe was, uh, under ice or near uninhabitable near that like the northern parts but bruce does have a theory the salutrian theory like part of the salutrian theory is they found those um <clears throat> these arrowheads that are traditionally from europe about 20 25,000 years ago and they found them in north america so what are european tools doing in north america about 25,000 years ago so i mean there's that theory as well but those people wouldn't have the melanesian marker you know, those people weren't from Australasia, you would you wouldn't think. So where how did these uh how how did these people down here get that? You know, so I think there when we're talking about the Salutrian hypothesis, I think we're talking about a different group of people. Right, right. Um I, I don't know. Uh, Darren, what do you think? Uh, you've been quiet for a while. I don't know. Uh, you seem skeptical about all this stuff, which you should be. The the out of Africa model is kind of sketch. Well, I don't know if I'm I'm skeptical. I just uh I don't know I don't know enough about 
the current model that far back to really comment, you know, like all of my knowledge sort of stops at the younger Dryas. Okay. So I think um, we should just talk about the split then because in um, the, 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 the 700,000 year ago split, which is basically, uh, let me pull up this gra graphic here. Um, which kind of fits with Bruce and his wife's work on that whole, um, that whole theory about the, yeah. Yeah. Because we have a sudden outburst of these large brain hominins around 700,000 years ago. So like that date, especially in Bruce and his wife's case is that might, that might've been, they might've eaten the mushrooms and, um, and, and discovered fire and cooked meat and got their brains big. Right. Is that, that, yeah, that one of those series is uh, still around, but anyway, so what we're looking at here is, um, basically the common ancestor of modern humans, Deni Homo Denisova and Neanderthals, which, uh, we, we interbred with these people, no doubt about it. Another thing that I think uh, people should remember is any, any species within the genus Homo, they were sexually, uh, they, they saw each other as the same thing and they were sexually viable. So it wasn't, there were no mules that were born or anything like that. It, it, these were actual, we were, they were all one people essentially. <clears throat> so like this interracial is like ancient interracial. Yeah. That's, that's what was going on. And probably more races than these three too. There's probably a lot of other hominin that we don't even well, know thought, about. Well, I thought they had nine. I thought they'd come up with nine now. Like where does, where do the hobbits fit into this? Like, and the races oh, aren't oh, yeah. like distinguishable by skeleton. I don't think. And then can we tell someone's black or white by their skeleton? Yeah. So yeah, the, um, the cranial, the, mor <laughs> the cranial morphology, um, the Hobbit people, they think that the, they didn't branch off from Homo erectus. They think that they branched off way earlier from Australopithecine because of their body structure. They're very tiny. And so um, that would make more sense because Australopithecine probably millions of years before her erectus went out there, they probably prol proliferated and got to Java because of um, Homo luzonensis, which is about 990 a thousand years ago and the, the hobbit people that you just mentioned so they the giants the i don't know much about the giants i'm sorry <laughs> i wish so, i did i mean i hate to be the one to say it but did we really evolve from this common ancestor or or was there some sort of are you about, about to get into like what happened seven hundred thousand years ago like it does it really show us that we've we, modern human comes from this common ancestor, like really through all these different things or. Well, I could tell you that. So see that orange dot Cima de los Huesos. Yeah. That, that is the site of the oldest. Now listen carefully. The oldest extracted DNA from a, from a hominin, the okay. oldest, ex, not the oldest African DNA, not the oldest Neanderthal, the old, the oldest. Well, this is that they think it is a Neanderthal, but. Um, it, so, which is about 40,000 years old. So we have only genetic data from this thing. So we don't, it, we don't know exactly much about the archaic humans. This just tells us uh, who our common ancestor was. So at some point we did have a common ancestor. There did live uh, some sort of being that, that presumably had a smaller 
head than like smaller brain capacity than us and all that. But really, like you said, we don't really know that we just have like, essentially we, what we have amounts to tree rings, essentially. If you, if you're familiar with tree, they, rings. they just prove that yeah. to be bullshit. <laughs> really? Did they some, well, well, no, so one it's of our not guests just that it, it's bullshit. It was... It's that just like, you know, some trees do it every season or something. So they have two or three rings of things. So if it's up, you know, there's just, there turned out oh, to right, be a right. bunch of variables, which is kind of, sometimes I have a hard time, but sometimes I think a million years is a long time. And uh, maybe we have been fumbling around, but sometimes I think it's just a lot more compressed than that. And I don't really have any faith in like the dating system anymore of it or anything like that. So that makes it tough. Yeah, it is tough. And that's the other common misconception about out of Africa theory is the, the, the DNA. How old, let me just ask you guys, how old do you think the DNA is that they're basing the out of Africa theory on that? Everything came out of Africa. How old do you think that genetic sample Uh, is? 20,000 years. No, it's, the the sample that they 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 used was five thousand years old, and since then they've only found a twelve thousand year a uh, year old DNA uh, extraction, which is from northern Africa in Morocco. So it's not even sub equatorial Africa. So that's a very that can't really tell us much about the origin story of humans, right? So that right there is a is probably the main sticking point most uh, critics of the out of Africa theory have is is they're basing everything on the, this uh, fairly young uh, DNA extraction. So, so seven hundred thousand um, years is the is the common ancestor. That's the the thing there. Seven hundred thousand years. Modern, modern humans and Neanderthals. Yeah, that's that's. That's a broad range. Seven hundred and fifty to five hundred and fifty thousand is a broad range. Of course, like what Darren. Like what Darren was alluding to, that some of the dating is really, they're ballparking a lot. And, oh, that reminds me, I should have uh, started with, with this. A lot, of, a lot of this subject matter that we're talking about is a lot, a lot of guesswork because we're just trying to connect dots. We see dots on the map, right, in the form of uh, these archaeological discoveries, right, like teeth or whatever they're finding in China. And we're literally just trying to form a narrative. Now uh, we have kind of a higher resolution because we have climate data and, and, and LIDAR and like subterranean or uh, like ground penetrating radar and stuff like that. But really, it's still w- w- <laughs> anyone's guess, really. So, yeah, that's why you have broad dates like this, 750,000 to 550,000. But one thing's for sure is something happened back then, for sure. Um, because you have from 700,000 years onward up until the end of the last, uh, the end of the Pleistocene, essentially, you had free flowing gene flow between Africa, East Asia, and uh, Australia, essentially. So you had, so what, what does that mean? That means more or less the, the earth was habitable enough to have that type of stability where everyone was genetic- fucking. Does that what that means? Everyone was fucking everyone from yeah, all, every place. corner yeah. of the and then you have, um, and then you have Mount uh, uh, Lake Toba, right? Erupts, and then that's what in the genetic data you see about seventy-one thousand years ago. You see the split between Africans and Aust- uh, Australasians because so people kind of got split and stuck in their in their areas of the planet. 
Yeah, exactly. And um, it, let me uh, let me just explain Mount Toba to everybody. Yeah, so yeah. Th this is a pretty um, famous graphic, and this this is compared to like Mount St. Helens, right? Nineteen eighty, Vesuvius, right? These just look like little duds compared to the Toba supervolcano, which is a once every two million year volcano, a volcanic eruption. Wow. <laughs> so wow. yeah. So that really, so this giant cloud of debris, it didn't just block out the sun. I mean, there's acid rain, crop failure. And let me uh, pull up. Um, How come they don't have like Santorini on there? Like uh, the Thera one, I wonder. It is. It's on there. I don't. I think it's on there. Santorini. And it, it's, it's tiny though. So let's just take this map just for the. Uh, so you see. Um, where do you see where my do you see me circling yep, this area? Yep, yep near okay. the Tabon Cave in the Philippines. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where Mount Toba was. And this giant cloud of smoke goes northwest to Europe and and uh the northern Caucasus around here. And this area is completely uninhabitable. There must have been a massive die-off of of people here, probably Neanderthals, because there have been a lot of Neanderthals uh found in this area. And so what happened was that left only uh asia australia and sub equatorial africa as habitable so you had a lot of people pouring into africa and this is where the into africa theory comes from and these people uh all, from uh from the they belong to the haplogroup l3 and this is a big point of contention as well because the mainstream view l3 rose in africa and the into africa people believe l3 formed in yemen which is well present day Yemen, which is right across the Red Sea, and um, here's here's a better view. So this is the Bab el Mandeb Strait. So they believe after um, a Toba erupted, a massive amount of people crossed this strait here in back into Ethiopia, into Africa. And what's more is they found out that these people had weapons. They had ranged weapons. So, which is interesting detail. So. The people and the Africans that were living here, they they couldn't keep them out if they wanted to, right? Because behind them, they're running away from the the essentially nuclear fallout. And then you have the same thing. Uh, they go to East Asia as well. They kind of spread apart. But basically, anything in the northern hemisphere gets cooked or frozen, however you want to. It, 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 it's basically a wasteland, which is where um, I guess there are a lot of theories about some of the survivors of that. Some people think that's where white people came from. Is <laughs> is uh, they've had they were relegated to the fringes, and because of the pigment of their skin, they didn't live close to the equator, so their skin was a different color. Anyway, that's a whole another rabbit hole. Um, what is it? What is a haplogroup again? Can you explain what that means to people? So haplogroup basically is um, a classification of the, your MTD. Well, there's Y chromosome, which is from your. Uh, from the male line and then there's your uh the double x chromosome from your mom and the, the female the the l3 in this case is an mtdna it's mitochondrial so it belongs to the mom so so there's a whole classification from l0 which is a few hundred thousand years ago to about seven hundred thousand years ago you start to see uh some variation and then when Mount to when Lake Toba erupts, you start to see L3, M, and N. And all they're referring to is just how it looks under a microscope, these 
these uh, genetic markers, and then they they're just assigned. So anyone belonging to haplogroup L3, you would know when you're looking at it because that's what L3 looks like. They all have a certain distinct look. So haplogroup uh, uh, N or O has a a, a, a variation. But no what does that what does that mean though? What is that? What is the difference between the looks? Is it a time thing or is it a genetic makeup type thing? It's a phenotypical thing. So it literally looks different under the microscope. And they classify them under just what, by what is that what does that um equate to? That is just it like it's just it's just their way of saying this is a group of genetically similar people that lived in this geographical area at this oh, time. Okay. Yeah. And so like, so for, for example, this is why the out of Africa theory is, is so incredulous. Like it, it can't, because it assumes that people are like redwood trees, that people stayed in one spot. Right. So, so like if a group of redwood trees, right, started in one spot and then we came back 2 million years later, we could deduce, okay, those trees that made its way like a few hundred miles down that way. So, but it, it won't go out of Africa. It'll stay in Africa. But humans are different. Human, especially modern humans who are just like us, they think like us, they're going to go places. That's what they do. Um, I think, um, uh, I forgot who it was, but um, there was a famous uh, saying in philosophy, if you must, you can. So, so I've, I believe that that is apt in this case because humans especially modern humans, they have uh, not just ingenuity, but there's a batch of them that are inquisitive in every po population. You know, there's a bold, uh, there's a few, if they, if they, if, they, if there's mountains that are unexplored, there's going to be a group that's going to explore them. That's just how it is. And I just find it very hard to believe that people would stay in Africa for six, seven million years before they leave. And I just think they were smart. I just think they were way smarter than we give them credit for all the way through. I mean, I just, 100%. I just think that we get stuck in this paradigm of this, we are civilized and even the savages aren't civilized. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading this book and they, they talk about how, oh, yeah, you know, you go from savage to to barbarism and then you're like midway barbarism. They have all these categories for people just based on whether they've gone through the enlightenment or not. I mean, it's disgusting, right? I mean. So I, I feel like this is a problem going all the way back. Like maybe they were just smart and traveling all over in their boats I, and, you know, making tools and weapons and whatever. And I mean, I don't know. It seems to be that no, way now. Yeah. Um, well, I brought up John Anthony West earlier. He believed that the pyramids and the Sphinx didn't go back to 12,000 years ago he believed it went back a, a cycle before that, like 36,000 years ago. So if, I mean, John Anthony West is very well re respected in, in his field. And I, I think he has, if he, if he's correct, then I think what you just said has a lot more credence in the fact that these people were capable of so many things that, that we would be hard pressed to replicate now like what is it what, what is the main evidence that the mainstream scientific community has that we're so much smarter than the past brain size or something like that i mean did, is that really equate to ingenuity and smartness is that what i it think is? like the size of our noggins i think yeah i think there's a lot of that there's our technology there's a bias obviously because we're living in the present um 
they uh, the mainstream views ourselves as the pinnacle of civilization whereas um if you take a longer view of history a lot there are a lot of people out there who would disagree with that and they think that we're at a lower point of civilization yeah, exactly yeah and just because we have metal and like plastic and i guess satellite if you believe that we have i don't know some pe there's people who dispute that now but uh, just because we have that it, do it, it doesn't mean anything because the bottom line is, is it going to help us survive into the future? Um, what we have now, and a lot of people are probably, especially now, are probably have a have a negative view about where we're going. But it's like what Graham said in in his books. These back then, people probably their civilization probably wasn't oriented in the way our civilization is. Like we are with consumerism and materialism and stuff like that. They were probably looking at life more holistically and more as like a process and probably like a school, like an opportunity to live in harmony with nature and, and learn and as much and grow as much as an individual as possible. That's what it seems like. Like if you look at what, what they held um, important to them, like just from their burial sites and what they were buried with and, and, and some of the cave paintings like in France that are like 38,000, 40,000 years old. I mean, a, a, a lot of, the themes are not beyond just subsistence living and, and hunting and stuff like that. It seems to be living in harmony. And, and that seems, that seems like a pretty advanced view in my book of the abstract, because remember these people were supposed to be just mindless hunter gatherers, just like surviving day to day. When really, when, when you look at these, like something like the Sphinx, that seems to imply a lot of free time, like those types of projects. So like, it doesn't seem like they're, they're coming from a society that's struggling. It seems like yeah, yeah, exactly. they got rid of they got rid of the obstacle of struggle and was able to focus on like the stars and and aligning with the universe and really finding out what this life is. You know, that's that seems to be a, a, a more healthy view, I believe, especially now in light of a lot of the, the evidence now. Yeah. Yeah. So. Where is that? And where's Egypt in relation to that? Yemen and I don't know where the fuck Yemen is. Yemen is Yemen by Turkey. No, yeah, no, it's south, below Saudi Arabia, isn't it? Kind of. Or? Yeah, so this is Yemen right here, right? Do you see right here this little tip? So Egypt is up here, so it's on the northeastern corner of uh, the Africa. African continent. And Yemen's yes. where? Sorry, way down the front. Yemen, right here. Oh, so, so they're, they're on the. Close. Yeah, so to see this body of water here. This is the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. That's and at so, the top of the Nile, right? It's a yeah, basically it's, it's adjacent. adjacent. To the Nile, it's yeah. Nile adjacent. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Here, let me show this again quickly. Yeah, go, yeah. This is this is like this is again. So Egypt up here, and this is where they crossed, right? At that yeah, Djibouti Strait there, right there. Yeah, Bab El Mandeb Strait. Yeah, there it is, Bab El Mandeb Strait. That's where they crossed, and it doesn't. That's not that far of a distance, you know. So. It's definitely possible. Yeah. Yeah. And Egypt, it was a lot, if, depending on who you ask, they say that they were a culture that came from an even greater culture. And a lot of people make the assumption that it's Atlantis. And then some people think like this rich structure, like Atlantis was in, in like the Sahara or something. I don't know. It, it could be. But the way that people bring it up, like that guy that was on Rogan, 
I forgot his name, but Jimmy, he Jimmy Jimmy Cassetti. Yeah, he, he he I think he blocked me or like muted me on Twitter or something because like he made a tweet that said Atlantis was in Africa. Right yeah, he was like Atlantis was in Africa. Get over it. And I'm like, why why open discussion like that? It was weird. And I see why he think because of the concentric circle thing. But what Plato said. And this is and this is not me. This is like people like Randall and, and other people who, who are familiar with Plato's work. He the, the dimensions don't add up to the Richard structure to what he's saying. He's super impo- imposing that these concentric circles with and passing it off as Atlantis when it's not like the, the Plato was very deliberate when he described Atlantis, like he described it to a T, like 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 what a stadia is and all that. Like he doesn't address those types of things and that just set me off because he <laughs> he made he made it sound so contentious and i don't know i just thought it was very strange and yeah so, it's a little bit it's a little bit um i think there's okay. like evidence of those things being naturally occurring too isn't there yeah that's what randall thinks <laughs> so i i don't know um i don't have a dog in the fight but <laughs> you, should, Whenever, you should be able to question it though without getting all like blocking people just from questioning it yeah, I, I, I don't know. Here's, man. And just so while we're on the topic, here's where Randall thinks it is. So that was that's the Azores plateau. Yeah, that was, and then straight yeah. to Gibraltar there, and then yep, yeah. and there it is. Yeah. Ooh, the, when you look at it like that, it does look like the Azores. Could so that, uh, I mean that whole thing could have been it, right? Absolutely, the whole kind of triangle there. Yeah, Sorry, what were and you it fits the description. Well, when yeah, you look at the Azores like that, it really does look like it could have been a plateau. Yeah, and then I mean, how far would it be to go across here, to, to there, right? And then like you're Bimini in, Road, you're in North, and then you're in Newfoundland. Yeah, man. Newfoundland. And, I mean, we haven't even talked about like the Phoenicians. Like, why? How? How did the Phoenicians get to like the Great Lakes area and start mining copper or whatever it is that they were mining? You know, like it was just. Very, like, very interesting. Uh, um, there's something that there's a big uh, piece that we're missing there. There's yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, there are definitely people going in and out of America between Europe and, and Americas across the Pacific, somehow for sure. So, so, what else is new for information that's that's sort of changing our paradigm? Anything else? Oh, there's there's a ton of there's always stuff going on, man. Um, are you? Are you talking more about like ancient history or more recent stuff? Uh, either or. So I did talk about the the 1.2 million year old uh the obsidian, obsidian stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. There's there was also some uh human re- remains in in Britain, the earliest human remains oh, that ever was found in Britain. Yeah, I, I watched that. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. So like they occupied that land very quickly after the the glaciers receded so um that 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 was just a, a curveball to me and because before before like the date that they gave like eleven thousand something some odd years ago i think the early the next earliest was about like nine thousand years which happened to be in the same around the same spot so um i think that that clearing up what was going on in that part of europe is very important as well uh, because that's another spot that's very contentious. They they don't know what kind of people were passing through there before the the Celtic people went through there. 
Do you have? Do you happen to have that map that shows? Um, I think it was on your video. I saw it. The map that shows that I and I didn't realize this too that the UK was half covered with ice, but there was, um, wasn't the bottom of Ireland and the southern part of uh, the UK um, still free. Apparently. Yeah, so it's on this map here. You can kind of see it here. So um, you can see Spain. Yeah, it's completely covered at the last glacial maximum. It was completely covered. Oh, it was completely covered. Well, yeah, at the, at the yeah, at the glacial maximum it was, and then it slowly started. Uh, oh, okay. So what you're saying uh, is when that started to recede. So before the younger dryest, but is when the maximum started to recede, people started populating the UK. Yes. So so what happened was um, when the younger dryest happened, the glaciers well, were the right to recede. That's the map, probably right. Would it be the map I'm thinking of that right when the younger dryest happened? Yeah, probably. I think that's what you're talking about. Um, but when the when the younger dryas happened, the, the the glaciers were already receding for thousands of yeah. years, yeah. and then the younger dryas happened, just sped all that up, and then it kind of dipped us into a brief cold period because of the fallout, and then we started resuming that that warming period. It's called the balling Alarod period. Um, but yeah, th uh, those people that they found in in uh, England would have been right after the younger dryas right after it happened so again that that i think that speaks to the resilience of of the human species you know um just because it, it must have been really chaotic in the world during that time and but you know of course there were there were safe havens as well just like with mount toba well there's also fucking dire beavers and and short no short-nosed uh, cave bears and all kinds of fucking monsters to deal with too and that's probably where giants came in. I mean, why why couldn't humans be bigger back then? You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because dire humans. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, they were in those in those burial mounds in Ohio and and all over uh, the Mississippi River Valley. They've they found like seven foot, eight foot tall uh, mummies. You know, in in those mounds, there are old pictures from like the early nineteen hundreds of them. Yeah, and they're stacked Everything in a certain way. Bigger. Yeah, it probably was. That's how they made all the stuff too with the bigger people. You think? I, I mean, that's what I think. But yeah, th there were some giants in um, Tierra del Fuego. They uh, some of the initial uh, Spanish reports were that there were like eight, nine feet tall people greeting them when they got off the boat. So I don't know if that's disinformation or not, but that's I don't know too much about giants. Where's Tierra, other than that. Where's Tierra del Fuego again? It's the southern tip of South America. Oh, okay. Right. So like down here. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that that about does it for me, guys. Like I I've got some other like a little bit more, but um we pretty much covered everything in a roundabout yeah, yeah. way. No, it's good. I'm glad you're back on it. Um yeah, we'll have yeah. to do it do it again sometime. Where can yeah, people I mean, go ahead? Oh yeah, where can people find me? They can go uh, find me at youtube.com slash the jindo. Um that's the best play just if you want to help me out, you can subscribe to me there because I am a, a verified YouTube creator. So I do um, I, I do get benefits from that, which is really cool. I didn't have that before. Before I came back, I came back to that. So that was a pleasant surprise. What, what does that mean? So um, if you have over 2000 subscribers or a certain amount of watch hours, YouTube can approve you as a verified like get, content creator then and then basically is that where the monetization yeah. happens or 
basically so you can make money off like youtube shorts and stuff like that and and people always want to help out so that's the best way is to just subscribe to me on youtube um on twitter my 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 twitter handle used to be uh jay geefer but they changed it or i have to change it so it's jj Gephart now which is like my ancestral name from hundreds of years ago which is jj g-e-p-h-a-r-d-t so yeah that's about it again jj e-e-p-a-r-d-t jj get part j j g e p h a r d t okay yeah. so yeah but yeah just youtube.com slash agenda is the best i also um automatically upload to odyssey if you guys use odyssey um they they also have live streaming there and um if i do a live stream every once in a blue moon i'll probably do it through um odyssey so um yeah that about does it for me right on buddy well thanks thanks for coming on again Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Jindo. Yeah. Thanks for coming back on. I hope everyone checks out your YouTube channel and subscribes. And uh, good luck on the Twitter. I mean, I, you know, they gave me the boot. So I stopped trying to make fake accounts because it just seems like a waste of time at this point. So what are you doing now then? You're just going on Gab? <laughs> Nothing. We doing? No, no, he's he's not doing. He, we got our own chats and stuff, like our own Telegram. We have our own little chat group in the Mattermost. Um, Instagram, Instagram. Oh, Instagram, huh? They didn't ban you from that yet. No, they seem to be he's been shadow I mean, banned. I think. Pr- I mean, he's yeah, probably I'm not probably getting very shadow far. Banned. <laughs> <laughs> I saw ten mean memes this morning from him. It's been taken oh off a bit lately. I'm almost up to 300. Uh, oh, I, remember, I just remembered something. Um, so when you guys have another one of those um, contacts, contact oh, we're, we're doing Smiths of the Stars in Bryce Canyon and Zion National Park in uh, April 20th. No way. Yeah, really? David Matheson. We're going on hikes and checking out the myths of the stars. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fantastic. Oh man, is there a, is it on your website? Is there a yeah, link? Yeah, yeah. Go to contactofthecabin.com and it's uh, on there called uh, what's it called? Utah? Darren? No, what's it called? Hang on. Um, Contact at the canyons. Contact at the canyons. Yeah. I would love to make that. Yeah, dude, you should come. That'd be fantastic. You meet a whole bunch of cool people. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and it's not that far from me, so yeah, yeah right definitely on. check it yeah, out. It's it's uh it's in between Bryce and Zion, so we can go to both places. Perfect. Yeah. Is Darren going? Darren's going. Yeah, right? yeah, I'll be there. Yep, hundred oh, percent. Nice. It's on four twenty. It's kind of uh, you know. It's our four twenty oh, uh, bash. Yeah. You bring you bringing the ganj, Darren? You're gonna supply everybody. Oh, yep. Yeah, we okay, su- cool. we'll supply the weed. hundred percent. There's a bowl of like a pound of in a bowl just sitting there. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys, this All is right, really thanks, fun. Awesome. I, I, if I uh, ever want to get in contact, I guess I'll just email you again the same way, right? Yeah, yeah, you got my cell number in there too. I, I give you my my all my contact information's in there too. So oh cool. All right, perfect. All right, guys. Okay, take have care. a good night. All right, yep, all right. take care. Bye. Bye, Darren. And that was a chat with the Jindo. What'd you think, buddy? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I liked it. it what do you think? It was good. I forgot about old Brucey e. Fenton. I wonder how he's, how he's doing, doing these days. Yeah. Yeah, I like this uh, human history stuff. I'm, I'm, I just can't wrap my head around it yet, though. But it'll, it'll start to click. 
Absolutely. So check out his channel. Subscribe. Of course, we have our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to that. We have our new channel as well, uh, Grammarica Media, which is a lot of more video content, short, short and sweet video content, short form content, kind of entry level. If you have someone that you're trying to get to listen to the show, it's the perfect kind of stuff to send them and maybe get them listening. So while you're on YouTube, subscribe to stuff. While you're on the internet, head over to grammarica.ca slash support if you Hang are getting... on, you forgot about you forgot about the other YouTube channel that I just started. All right. Well, all right. Go to again, go to Adult Brain. <laughs> <laughs> he just skips right over the one I've been working my ass off on. Sorry, you can you can tell us about that one. We have we have an adult brain YouTube channel now with all our audiobooks. Well, not all our audiobooks, but it's got excerpts from some of the audiobooks you can find on Audible, but it's also got some full audiobooks on there too. So like H.G. Wells' World Brain and a book about uh, recovery, the Buddhist style, recovery Dharma. So, yeah, that's just to name a few. Oh, did you put the recovery Dharma? Well, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, it's scheduled. Yeah. Amazing. YouTube. So we're coming out with some YouTube stuff. You can check that out. Of course, if you are getting some value from a little podcast here, head over to grimmerica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly or make a one-time donation. It is important, guys. We can't do this without you guys. We need your help. AmericaOutlaw.ca is another way to support us. You can head over there, sign up for a plus subscription, and buy some audiobooks, come on a trip, meet, maybe meet the Jindo. And uh, all that great stuff. You can find links to everything we're up to at GrabAmerica.ca. And uh, until then, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Many cigarettes